the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Again, I try to keep this pretty open-minded as far as the show goes so that we can you know, have a lot to chat about. Stock market continues to trade kind of like ever so higher, right? First and foremost, I think it's worth mentioning today is the big split day for Apple. And so far, they're not really moving. So they did a seven-for-one split. They're trading at $92.20. So no big deal as of this moment. Will it make it easier for it to shoot up, shoot down? Yeah, Probably. Um, there'll be more shares. There'll be more investors with, you know, let's say you have $900 to invest. You can get 10 shares versus you can get, you know, two shares previously. It's the same thing. Uh, the market cap's still $555 billion. It still has a P of 15 times this year's earnings. It's still needing and counting on a watch. It's still needing and counting on a big iPhone. Some of the data inside the company makes less sense right now, like the Ford PE just some analysts just haven't updated their numbers. So it's going to be a little bit tougher for people to slow-term digest. A couple mergers today. I always like mergers and acquisitions on the weekend. Tyson won their food fight with a binding offer to acquire Hillshire Brands for $63 per share. Merck is paying a 239% premium. 239% premium. Whoa. To acquire Identix Pharmaceuticals for $24 a share. That is all about the big major uh, pharmaceutical companies racing to get their hands on product that's going to affect millions and millions and millions of people around the world. So Merck's the second biggest drug maker. They're acquiring Identix for $3.8 billion for their experimental hepatitis C treatment. Um, 
mercs in the race develop a daily all-oral regimen that treats different strains of the viral infection and doesn't include ribavirin, a standard treatment for hepatitis C, which has serious side effects. Merck said it's once-a-day hepatitis C pill, which combined two drugs, stopped the virus in mid-stage study in 98% of newly treated patients with few major side effects. So we got that going for us. Current disposition of futures, mar- uh, current disposition of the stock market day. Basically, should we have a little profit taking? Impressive three-week run. It is so tough to predict this kind of stuff because the volume is light. You get a couple mergers and acquisitions, but uh, you know, again, I went for two five-mile runs this weekend. Can I take the day off? I need my body to recoup a little bit. Uh, point being, market needs the same thing on occasion. Now, again, it's a better sprinter than you and I. It goes up 7 out of 10 years. But you certainly look at it on occasion and just go, come on, dude, take a break. Take a break. Taking a look uh, today at the Treasury market. Unable to hold the gains it, it logged after the employment report. 10-year Treasury settled the day down three ticks at 2.59% with the first uh, jobs numbers that we got on Friday. Today sits at 2.62%. So we're at 2.5 for a couple minutes there. And we've uh, rolled back to 2.6. Three is a healthier stock market, or three is a healthier economy, three and a half is a healthy economy kind of thing. Um, other big stories of note Walmart, interestingly enough, is saying that they're sorry to Tracy Morgan. After a highway accident involving one of its truck drivers, critically injured the actor comedian Tracy Morgan. Kevin Roper of Jonesboro, Georgia, was charged in Middlesex County with one count of death by auto and four counts of assault after the Walmart tractor trailer he was driving crashed into a limousine van whose occupants included Morgan. That's pretty interesting, won't it, you say? Six vehicle accident at 1 a.m. yesterday on New Jersey Turnpike occurred as U.S. lawmakers consider ending U.S. rules designed to help prevent long-haul truck drivers from dozing at the wheel. Interesting. Um, So the truck driver failed to see slow-moving traffic ahead of him and basically rammed into them. What do we make of this? That Tracy Morgan was close to dying? No, maybe. To me, this type of story is the exact reason you have life insurance if you have a family, because you never know when a Walmart truck's going to plow into you. It could happen to Tracy Morgan. It could happen to you. That's right. I think we all have a Tracy Morgan impression in in us, but some are going to be better than others. Mine, not very good, to say the least. Um, SP 500. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to stocks real quick. Family Dollar jumped 14%. There was an icon, Carl Icon filing. He's amassed a 9.4% stake as of this point. No proxy fight, but maybe down the road. Fair amount of skepticism over where at peak valuations are not on Wall Street. I think we kind of have a Goldilocks economy, which is healthy for Wall Street, more so than the valuation problems. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. What we're starting to see is companies starting to do some capital expenditures and M&A to invest in their businesses so that when the easy money's gone, they've got a leg to stand on. So Family Dollar up 14%. Uh, Carl Icahn, billionaire, he's done things like bullied Apple into buying back more shares and giving more into dividend. 
He may push for operating changes and ask the company to explore strategic alternatives. It's been a long time knowing that at some point in time, Family Dollar is going to um, have to do something because they're the weakest player of the group. Um, I don't know. I don't really want to hit that Merck story too hard because who wants to really talk about hepatitis C? You know, not me. So that Identix lead drug, which won regulatory approval in December, how much do you think it costs? This is more kind of my angle, right? $84,000 for a 12-week course. Wow. Now you can see why Merck wants it, right? Obama's aiming to expand student loan relief. That's good. He signed an executive order that lets borrowers pay no more than 10% of their monthly income in student loan payments. That measure expands a 2010 law that covered those who started borrowing after October 2007 and kept borrowing after October 2011. Executive order allows for those who borrowed earlier to participate, potentially extending the benefits to millions more borrowers. That's worthy of noting. Longer you take to pay off your student loan, fine by me. It's a low-cost loan more than usually, not always, but usually. And uh, it helps build credit for people coming out of college. It's that kind of simple. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Uh, got a big event coming up in about eight days. Eight days. No, is that right? No, no. Ten days. Ten days. Going to be doing uh, ten pillars of retirement planning. Income in retirement is the particular thing that you need to know. I'm going to be sending out a newsletter sooner than later. The ten pillars of retirement income planning in Palo Alto, California, June 19th, Thursday evening. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. or record. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind, as I like to ask? Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the bigger questions I get... Again, comes sometimes it's about maxing out your 401 How much is enough? How much do I need at this age? I think these are all very good questions. Um, the credit one is the one that I always come back to. Like something a parent maybe considers is helping their college grad 
get going on the credit line cycle. There's a lot of ways to do it. While they're in college, you can get them a secure credit card. And you can go to bankrate.com to learn a little bit more about that, bankrate.com. And what you do in that scenario is you throw down $500 and you tell them, okay, every month you could spend $150 at the snack store. And then you just you pay it for them if you want to. Or you let it carry a little bit of a balance so that it shows that they're able to maintain a balance. It's a particularly nice gift for a kid. Now, I'm not saying all parents have the financial resources to do that, especially if you're paying for their college or helping in any way, shape, or form subsidize them. But that's something that is in the background helping them build credit. As far as, like, buying a car for your kid, oof. You know, I got an email from someone who said their kid's graduating college, needs a car for a new job. Good chance for them to ultimately develop his credit score rating. Credit union offers loans to first-time auto buyers who don't have a credit history, but the interest rate's 8.4%, which is crazy high compared to standard auto loans. The parents want to help pay for the car as a way to reduce the higher interest costs. Um, that credit builder loan, to me, is not the, the best way to go about things. It's too high of an interest rate. If the kid has no debt and he's got like a secured credit card or maybe secured credit card than like a Best Buy card or an Amico or Exxon card, he's probably got enough credit right there. So as long as he's paid on time, his credit score would, you know, probably qualify him for a much better rate. First thing everyone should do in the audience, in my opinion, is check your credit reports. Annualcreditreport.com. It's a mandated site by the federal government. People can check their credit histories annually for free. If you have credit histories, you can take the additional step of buying at least one of your FICO scores from myfico.com. You don't need to buy all three. So annualcreditreport.com is not going to give you your credit score, but it's going to give you your credit history. There are things, there are apps out there like Credit Karma that will kind of estimate your credit score, and it does a pretty good job. So at that point in time, you kind of have a, a basic idea of what your credit score is. Um, and I'd probably do work with a dealer if you're going to be doing it this way or that way. And again, I prefer... I prefer used cars, but I'm not going to kill anyone for getting a new car. I think that's a little cliche. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Tyson Food won their bid war for Hillshire. Um, if you start looking at it, there's not that many food producers in America. A lot of people are very, very concerned that the food producers are setting kind of like the agenda on what is healthy and not healthy. Tyson Foods is one of building war for Hillshire Brands, the maker of Jimmy Dean Sausage and Ballpark Hot Dog Franks. Tyson has been vying with rival poultry producer Pilgrim's Pride for Hillshire Brands. So, again, we're just taking out one more option of somebody who creates stuff. That could be a situation where Pilgrim's Pride or Tyson's Foods at some point in time say, we're not going to use nitrates, and 
Now the bigger company doesn't necessarily have to cater to the crowd that doesn't want the nitrates, so it's double nitrates. I'm not saying that's the case, but that's what you lose when you lose competition. McDonald's global comparable store sales rose in May. To me, McDonald's is an international play on growth and a U.S. play on value. It's confusing, right? Which one is it, Rob? Growth or value? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that one. We could argue about it, but I'm not going to answer it. What else do we have to talk about today? Apple stock split 7 for 1. Let's take a quick peek. Because I'm just curious on what's going to... I'm curious. I, I think it's financially... It doesn't change the value of the stock in any way, shape, or form. Oh, it does nothing. Okay, now... Did the stock split do nothing because it's down three cents today? Or, and I'll say this is a bigger or, maybe when they announced the stock split, it went from roughly 550 bucks to 640 bucks. Maybe it's already had its move for the stock split. You with me? Against me? Where you at on this one? Ah. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, in the world of finance today, um, Bill Ackman, he said, I believe arrests are coming in the Herbalife story. That kind of makes me cringe. Because here he is, a guy who owns shares of the company short, and he's going out to media and saying, I think someone's going to be arrested there. That's... His opinion, right? And the media will air it for sure because it's sexy. But at the same time, I have a problem with it because he has that position. 800 516 1220. You can drop me an email, robert, com. It's robert, Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Average age of U.S. light vehicles in 2014 stands at 11.4 years. That's unchanged from 2013. It's a record high. I always find that interesting. Is How can that be? Well, it was a record high then, so it's still at a record high. Average age of all U.S. vehicles, 11.4 years old. Good. So analysts expect the average vehicle age will remain there through 2015 and then rise to 11.7 years. Slower rate of growth in the average age of the light vehicle compared with the last five years reflects the rebound in the auto industry and the increase in new vehicle sales. Um, I myself am waiting to get a new vehicle until like they have some sort of super-duper dashboard that does apps and the Internet. Because my next vehicle, if it lasts 10 years on me, I want some technology in it, right? I'm Rob Black. Big event coming up. I'd love to see you out in Palo Alto Thursday evening, the 19th, 10 days from now. It's tied towards income and retirement, dividend stocks, and much, much more. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. Gas prices aren't moving very much. That's nice to see. 
nationwide at the pump, three dollars and sixty-nine cents. That goes through June six. Average retail price is five cents higher than a year ago. Gas had fallen about three point one cents since peaking this year at three dollars and seventy-two cents. So I'm going to call that a loser today. Speaking of losers, <laughs> my brother David was in town and uh, he brought uh, a couple friends and they did the Shark Fest this week, swimming from Alcatraz to. Um, the Aquatic Center in San Francisco. And I think it's a little more than a mile. Um, I'm not sure. But it's cold. And he's five years older than me, and he was a great brother growing up. You know, he loved me, he nurtured me. My dad really wasn't that present. And, uh, you know, I was terribly proud of him, and, you know, big thumbs up to him kind of thing. But afterwards, is a showing of little brother, big brother kind of thing, I decided I can do Shark Fest next year. Um, you know, he's five years older than me. I could do it, right? I'm in. Long story short, I took a really, really cold shower to start preparing for it. I'll figure out the swimming angle of it later. Um, but cold water, very cold water. I hear when you jump in, you could, uh, if you don't have something covering your ears, you can get pretty disoriented pretty fast. And the waves are so choppy that you can't see anything. And staying on course is pretty difficult. Anyway, uh, what else do we need to know today? What else do we need to know? Uh, The SP 500's up one, the Dow's up 14, the NASDAQ up seven. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. He is a certified financial planner with newfocusfinancial.com. One of the areas that I don't like talking about is insurance. We know about investments, fun and sexy. We know about taxes, you gotta pay them. But insurance is part of the formula in getting to retirement. And I always say insure what you can't afford to lose. But I think a lot of people in the age of 20 to 50, Chad, don't really – all we think about is life insurance or homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance. I think one of the forgotten insurances is like gap insurance. I I know. It's like an odd topic to start with, gap insurance. What is gap insurance? Gap insurance is if, let's say, you you buy a car for thirty grand. Right, and then you turn around and total it. The insurance company says, "Well, at that time, your value of your car is only fifteen thousand dollars, but you still owe twenty because you took a loan out. You've only paid it. You've, you're, you're paying it down at a lower rate than what the value is depreciating at. So that is a very big risk, especially in the first three years that you buy a car, for example. Which I don't think people think about, and yet I do. I think it's actually a pretty good insurance to get. It, it is, especially because we also say that you know having the higher deductible insurance typically makes sense. So if you're a person that you're doing things the right way, where you have six to twelve months worth of cash and emergency reserves, if you're a younger person, right, then that means that you're allowed to then go out and get higher deductible auto policies, home policies, health insurance policies, so that your monthly premiums are lower, so that you can save more money in your 401k. But if you're going to do that. Typically, it also means that you need that gap coverage in case you do total your car. Otherwise, you could be out of pocket five to $10,000 to get that replacement. Another little tip on insurance that I think is important is I've got a friend who lost 190 pounds. He lost a human being. I mean, he lost 190 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, did you get your health insurance uh, changed? Did you get your um, life insurance changed? Because when he got life insurance as a 300, well, I guess 350-pound man, he was about to die. He's a diabetic. He's actually lost diabetes. He no longer has to take insulin. So he needs to go and have all of his insurance redone. And they will lower your rate, insurance companies. They'll never raise your rate, but they will lower your rate if you do something like lose 20, 30, 40 pounds. 
Did you know that? No. I did. Yes, I didn't know that. It's, oh, it's, I thought I had them. It's like stump the bird. Let me get an example too. So people go out and they buy life insurance. Yeah. Okay. And but when they're doing it, they're they not they might not smoke all the time, but they might have a cigar once in a while or yeah. or dip, you know, chewing tobacco. Right. They get rated as a tobacco user. You can go through a certain period of time with the insurance company and go back and say, I no longer smoke. I no longer chew. Take a physical that proves it. Send it in, and they can lower your rates. Okay. And if people bought term insurance like three or four years ago and they're still healthy, they might want to redo that plan because it's cheaper now. Term insurance is a lot cheaper now. There's more people in the business, and insurance companies want the business. Okay. So question your insurance policies every couple of years, especially if you had some life-changing events on the positive. Really, it's, it's, it's almost every year. It's almost okay. like you know, I'll go through and, and call a uh, cable bill, cell phone company, and say, I'm about ready to leave unless you've got something better to offer me. And every time I do that, every six months, it seems like I get money knocked off my cable bill or my cell phone bill, or I get some sort of incentive or a free upgrade or whatever. You know, you ask for it. They want your business. I always call the insurance company or the cable companies, and I'm saying, I'm pretty sure I didn't order Naughty Nurses 3. <laughs> so we have different conversations with the cable companies. Why is my bill $300? I, mean, they say, I think you ordered 4 and 5 as well, Mr. Black. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I'm guilty. Um, so some of these insurance issues are, are, are obvious. Some obvious. Some of them are not. Um, I think the one that's also not necessarily obvious for people is disability insurance. You or I have a greater chance of being disabled before we die. Yeah. And when you're disabled in your working years, it's financially crushing because you lose your income. So disability insurance is really, really important to consider. Yeah, I mean, and I'm loaded up on it because of what I do for fun. Wakeboard, snowboard, all that kind of stuff. It's more likely that I'll be injured and can't work for a while than, than, than die. So, um, and I also have, as a business owner, it's important to have things like overhead policy so that there's, there's key man disability so somebody could replace you if you're gone from your company, but also just overhead disability, which usually lasts for about six months, so it keeps the lights on. It makes the payroll payments while you're not there doing it. You know what I mean? Especially if so, that, so in a key person situation, it's also important to. Uh, so in our little coverage. joint venture, do you have key man on you? I do. I have overhead and key man. Do we have key man on me? Because I bring in. I'm the rainmaker. I don't think you can qualify because of all your ailments. <laughs> what are my ailments? <laughs> okay, we're gonna Talk play about that off air. We're gonna play stump the Burton. Stump what the was Burton. the name of the first vampire to appear in a movie? Dracula. No, it's Nosferatu. Who cares? <laughs> We're playing Stump the Burton. Okay, fine. You can win a Joan Baez album if you want to call in right now, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Stump the Burton. Do you have anything else on insurance that we're missing? So maybe some of the, the finer points? Um, let's see other types of insurance. No, it, you know, if people will look, if they don't have insurance through their employer disability insurance, which is very important. We've talked about that before. If you're, like, job hunting you get two offers, they're pretty close. Take the one that has better disability insurance coverage often because it's expensive. But those that can't afford it can still do something like an AFLAC where it gives them some cash in their pocket if they are injured to help pay the bills over a two- to three-month period. It's still very important to look at, and you can usually pay for that with your um, health savings account or FSA account. Quick answer. Um, when should people consider umbrella insurance? As soon as they have assets outside of retirement accounts. Okay. So as soon as you have equity in your home or uh, you know tax, taxable account savings, then you want to look at umbrella insurance. It's cheap. That's certified financial planner Chad Burton. Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Tesla continues to do their Tesla little, little things, right? Um, Tesla is caught in a lull of 
in between product launches. So CEO Elon Musk is doing something pretty smart. He's for current owners, he's giving them some improvements. It's automatically pushing some software to model S fleet that will help the car learn the driver's habits and adjust to them. Navigation system will offer directions to locations that steer around traffic jams. Drivers will be able to name their car in a mobile app. Now again, that's all most sets. Right? Like we already have that on some levels. The Model S is rated up to 265 miles on a single charge. The company's next model won't come out until next year when the delayed Model X crossover goes on sale. Musk says the holdup has centered on making sure the signature design element gullwing doors to make it easiest to get into the rear works properly and is leak-proof. In the door rights, extremely difficult, he said. But for current Model S sedans, the ones that are being made now, the underbody has a shield on it to protect against any piercings of the battery pack. The quote out of Musk was, you could drive over concrete block and you'd still be okay. Uh, the car now has optional power folding mirrors and sensors to keep the car from bumping into other cars and objects while parking. So just little teeny tiny upgrades. There's nothing in there that makes me go, ooh. Um, there will be a new driver's seat this year, addressing one of the pet peeves that the current one isn't comfortable enough. Tesla's also working on a self-driving feature for freeways that would make kind of work like an autopilot on aircrafts, although still requires drivers to pay attention. So we're going to get there. He says his electric fleet with Tesla's now traveled 344 million miles, and it has yet to record a single serious permanent injury or death in an accident. He's proud of that. Good for him. Um, but again, eh, there's not enough stories there. There's not enough to go, ooh, I'm going to up my earnings expectations. Like, that's an upgrade. Do, do you see where I'm... Like, that's more of a press release than it is a stock mover. You could call it a stock mover in the sense that at least the CEO seems to be aware of things, you know? Um, 800. 516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. World Cup gets underway this week. End of the week. Nike and Adidas are concerned at FIFA corruption claims. Uh, Cater's going to get the games taken away from them, and it's going to come to the United States in 2022. I don't see any other way around. It's just such an organization that is wildly and appropriately filled with bribes. Uh, and they're so visible. Think of it coming up on the 19th in Palo Alto at the Elks Club Lodge, Thursday evening, 6.30-9, CFP, Chad Burton, and myself. We'll be talking about income in retirement, dividend income, bond income. You will learn a lot even if you're not in retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I don't get enough calls. That bugs me a little bit. But that's okay. I appreciate that you're listening nonetheless. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um... You know, just going through some of the top stories of the day, Uber hits a staggering $17 billion valuation 
Uber and Lyft. If you've been in a big city, you've seen these pink mustaches on cars, and you're like, what's that? It's a cab for one-third the price of a cab. It works pretty much so seamlessly, Uber and Lyft does, with your cell phone. Sometimes it's, it's, it has some peak pricing issues, so sometimes it's going to be a little bit more expensive, a lot more expensive. But what was interesting is with, like, a Lyft, you get in, and the guy's friendly. And I get into cabs, and they don't talk to me. You know, they grunt, and they get on their cell phone, and, you know. So you get into, like, a Lyft, L-Y-F-T, and uh, he looks like you, and he talks like you, and he gives you, like, a chocolate candy. But even before that, okay, so you open your smartphone, you open the Lyft app, and you see, like, a driver's three minutes away from your location. Ding, 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 you order him. You see a picture of him, you see a picture of his car. Next thing you know, he's pulling up next to you because he's got you on GPS, so he knows where you are. Um, pretty cool. And it works pretty seamlessly. And you don't tip him. He makes his cut from the company. And what's interesting about that is, like, you feel like, hey, I just got away without tipping. And then you look at your bill, and you're like, hey, that's not that bad of a bill. Um, so Uber hits a staggering $17 billion valuation. Uber is a little bit more of a professional version of Lyft. The billion-dollar valuation club used to be a lot more exclusive than it is now. A lot of startups now are joining it without ever having to even earn a penny. Airbnb does something that's as disruptive. And for the record, I think Lyft is, and Uber are so disruptive to the cabbie industry, I think it's going to cause problems. Um, if your thing was to come to America and be a cabbie, get enough money to go to college, take a college degree, like you, that is gone. Um, Airbnb is very similar where I'm not 25, but if I were 25, I used to have this awesome place in San Francisco. And I could probably have rented it out for easily $300 a night on the weekends that I went away. Um, big place, big kitchen, big refrigerator, big, you know, like, it was spacious. Uh, again, it would have been better if it had, like, been five rooms and things like that, but you get the idea. So I think very disruptive industries are out there. Um, Dropbox is pretty disruptive um, on a lot of levels. Other things that we need to think about from today, average age of vehicles in the United States, 11.4 years old. I didn't really make this point terribly well a couple days ago or a couple hours ago, a couple segments ago. That's so funny. Um, I didn't really make all that much out of it when I mentioned, you know, the average age of the vehicles are so old. But at some point in time, we automatically go into a recycle. Uh, We need a new one. So it could only get so old before it's like, oh, 250,000 miles on this puppy, and how many more can I really get out of it? I'm wealthier than I should be because I do beat cars to death. That's just me. It's in my nature. Um, and that's good because not having a phone, not having a car payment gets you farther in life. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, market is at like at an all-time high almost on a daily basis. Like it feels that way. Today we're up slightly, but we're still up and we're still at a record high. I can get on the news today. 
Coming up at 6 o'clock, Rob Black's going to talk about record highs on the market. It's a little obnoxious, but I could do it. SP 500 up 2. Dow up 21. NASDAQ up 12. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Uh, that's the question I always had uh, at the end of a date. Aren't I wonderful? And the answer would be a quick, what did you just say? Oh. So here's a stupid poll for you. And I like stupid polls. And anyone who works for polling companies, I, I find stupid. Uh, will you buy Apple under $100? Pretty stupid, right? Apple shares begin trading on that post-split adjusted today, 7 for 1, so it's $92 right now. Woo-woo! But then again, I guess it's like seven times. If it's up only 40 cents, it's really up $2.80 compared to Friday, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, taking a look at some of the market themes today. Uh, merger and ac- mergers and acquisitions. Hillshire Brands buying Tyson, or Hillshire being acquired by Tyson. Uh, Analog Devices acquiring a company called Hightight Microwave. Merck acquiring Identix. Identix one's a big one, to be quite honest with you. Big event coming up at Palo Alto Elks Lodge coming up on the 19th, 10 days from now. It's a Thursday evening. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Substitute for an attorney. Sponsored by Uber Propelka LLB. Today might be the day I drop out of school. Today could be the last day I try. My parents alone can't stop me. My friends can't even stop me. But you might be able to. With United Way, you could tutor me, be my mentor, or volunteer to just read with me. If someone had helped me earlier, I might not be struggling. And studies prove that kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. There are tons of ways people like you can help kids like me stay in school. And United Way is calling for you to be one of them. Because it takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between me becoming one or the other could be you. Make me a success, not a statistic. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Make your small business even smarter with ADT Security Services during our summer blockbuster sale. Through June 29th, get up to $300 instant savings on select ADT business packages. Improve your operations with 24-7 burglary monitoring, remote climate and lighting control, secure real-time video, and more. Call Star Star ADT from your cell phone. That's Star Star 238. 36-month monitoring contract required. For applicable terms and conditions, visit ADT.com. California ACO 715597. Four 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 three. AM twelve twenty KDOW. 
This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. We can talk money. We can talk investing. We can talk about how to buy a house. We could talk cars, credit, um, how to set up a portfolio, which is something I don't talk all that much about. I do, but I'll talk about it. Um, I'd rather talk about things like cheap stocks that you should take a look at or ways of improving your health. One of the things that I you know, focus in on is you know, jumpstart your retirement plan right now. I think financial advising is something that you have to be honest with yourself on and know that we, we can't from a distance know everything about you. It's impossible. And it's really important to know as much as we can about you. We can talk taxes and retirement. Everyone seems to be different, right? Saving for retirement. Um, you know, I got an email recently from someone who was a 38-year-old single, healthy, no children. Portfolio is $400,000. It's 70% stocks, 25% bonds, 5% cash. Uh, foreign makes up 25% stocks and bonds each. My goal is in 12 years to pay off my mortgage and work part-time to cover my living expenses, so... 12 years from now is 50. How should my portfolio allocation change? What's interesting to note about that person is they're doing great. Maybe a little, maybe the flaw that I can see is, I think maybe the flaw is that you're retiring a little bit too early and you're going to still need health care. Um, you know, assuming all basic living expenses are paid, you have no debt, you've got a satisfactory emergency fund, in which order, you know, at that point in time, do you start, you know, throwing your money around? Um, let's see, how do I want to talk about this? Oops, I forgot, phone call. <laughs> it's 
Thanks, producer. Richard, San Jose. Uh, are you there? Yep. Hey, uh, Robert. Yes. Uh, what I want to ask you is, okay, recently uh, I've uh, – what happened is, is that my father died, and he was the sole beneficiary to my estate. Okay. Why did you have your father as a beneficiary? Huh? Why did you have your father as a beneficiary? Because, because he's the only person that I trust. So if you died, your dad gets the money? Yeah. Okay. Do you but, have do you have a do you have a wife? Do you have kids? No. <laughs> have you been drinking this morning? That's um out of the content of our conversation right now. I, I know, you're just very emphatic the way you're going, yes! No! No! no. Okay, so... What I wanted to ask you... Yeah, sorry about the death of your father, by the way. What I wanted to ask you, Mr. Black, is now that my dad has passed on... Yep. Can I leave you as my beneficiary? <laughs> that would be very unethical for me to say on the air. Yes, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, get, get the message, yes. Um... It, I'm flattered that you would even say that, but there has to be someone more important in your life than me. Well, you've taught me everything that I need to know about the economic status of uh, what I need to know. So I was trying if to help you, do, you. If you do, let me know, and I'll gladly take you up on that. But I would recommend something like uh, a charitable trust. Or a ch- ch- how much are we talking, by the way, here? Um, more than 20K. Okay. So that's not very much. Yeah, but it's uh, enough. Do you want it? How old are you? <laughs> I don't want it. Um, how old are you? Oh, almost fifty. Okay, you need to up that retirement. Don't worry about me. Worry about you. Oh, you're you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I do need okay. to up the retirement. Good you're luck correct. to you. Thanks for the call, Richard. So I'm going to go back to the email that I was talking about on the person. And I'll refresh you. 38, single, healthy, no children, four hundred thousand dollars, split seventy percent stocks, twenty five percent bonds, five percent cash. Four makes about 25%. Goal is to retire at 50. Now, you know, a response to that is retiring at 50 is great. A 70-30 split between equities and fixed income still makes sense at age 50, given that you could live another 40 years or more in retirement. So that's one thing to consider is your longevity and taking your foot off the brake a little bit too soon. You're going to need to stay ahead of inflation. You're going to have that exposure to equities will allow you to accomplish that once you completely stop working and need your portfolio to generate income, you may need to rebalance on occasion some of that. Got another email. Someone who's 65 years old says, I manage my traditional IRA account as two buckets. Bucket one provides the income I need between now and when I turn 70. Bucket two is for 70 and beyond. My sources of income from now until I file for Social Security are as follows. Military retirement, a pension for my post-military work in the industry, my wife's Social Security, monthly IRA withdrawals, my investments are very conservative for the short-term bucket that's going to be tied towards income that I need now in between 70. Bucket two is 500 dollars It's largely in equities, including a big chunk in blue-chip dividend stocks. Um, question was, would it make sense for me to start do- doing incremental Roth IRA conversions from bucket two? Good God, this is a long question. From bucket two, now that to reduce my required minimum dis- requirements when I turn 70 and a half, I would do it in a way that keeps me in the 15% effective tax bracket. Um, good question. Um, as often as the case depends on a few more specifics, marginal tax rate will impact the decision. 
as well as the value of current holdings within each of those types of accounts already. And your age can play a role for sure. Generically speaking, the Roth tends to be better at younger ages when you have more time to grow the assets within the account. And you could certainly want to participate in a 401k up to any match, first and foremost. So, um, again, that comes down to a kind of a tax issue. Um, let's see, who else should I pick for my email chains? Um, you know, a little bit more on that, on the Roth conversion. It's a good strategy to follow, and I recommend it pretty regularly, especially in his scenario where it's so cash flow heavy right now with the pensions and situations along those lines. Keep in mind that a Roth conversion increases your adjustable gross income, also known as AGI. Not just your, you know, it could change your tax return pretty dramatically. Not just your tax bracket. For example, as income increases, more of your wife's Social Security would be included in the taxable income. Given your income sources already, that may or may not impact you. One final thought on this is once you reach full retirement age for Social Security, you can file and restrict your application to your spousal benefits and continue to delay your own Social Security benefit. This allows you to receive a Social Security check now based on your wife's work history while your own benefit continues to grow. I do a lot of events around the Bay Area. Oftentimes I'm in Palo Alto or Los Gatos, uh, San Mateo. Um, I get to the East Bay a little less regularly. A lot of the population in the Bay Area is basically between San Mateo and San Jose. It starts thinning out a little bit um, as you go further east. You can always find out about my events at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support through the years. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. thought I would go through some quick email questions today. I think this is... The people who are listening, they're just not calling... Uh, this is for you, because uh, I think I want to do a show that talks to you. I can do a show about Apple. Sure. Easy pleasy. My company offers a 401k and a Roth 401k. I'm 39 years old, so I contribute 100% to either one or a portion of each. That's from Chris. The answer is it depends on your current tax bracket. If you think you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement and you're paying a lot in taxes now, you might want to take advantage of the pre-tax deductions of a regular 401k. If you think your taxes might be the same or higher by the time you retire, using a tax-free Roth 401k will make more sense. Of course, ideally over time, it's good to have both. Um, So splitting your contributions will start to build some flexibility in withdrawal strategies later in life. I like to see this as tax diversification when it comes to the decision. It gives you an option when you retire to pull money out of 
various types of scenarios or four various types of scenarios. I like to use this one as a good example. Let's say you want to do a trip around the world. That's good for your Roth because that may cost you $100,000 to do it in a year. I'm just using a big number, $50,000. Or you want to like pay for your kid's wedding. Roth is great. Great. Um, it'll grow tax-free. It's taxed already, so it comes out of your taxable income. Then it grows tax-deferred, so you don't pay any capital gains on the income. Uh, you don't pay any taxable income and or t- capital gains if you buy or sell stocks inside of a regular 401k. Uh, and then later in life, oh, good gosh, I blew this. I'm talking about the Roth 401k first. So I like the Roth for the big purchases because it comes out taxable income. So you've already paid taxes on it. But it gets shielded in a vehicle that doesn't pay taxes on taxable income and or capital gains. And then later in life, when you pull money out to say, fund that trip around the world, it's tax-free. So I think given the age of 39 and tax circumstance impact would ultimately be the biggest decision. It's not a lot of fun to make a Roth contribution into a higher marginal tax bracket. An accountant could provide clarity on that point. Whatever you do, pick up an employer match in a 401k or 403b for sure. Okay, this one comes to me from Cece. I'm married, 48 years old, with a portfolio of $312,000. If I put 15% away, is it better to take any remaining money and pay down the house, approximately $350 per month extra cash, or stop paying extra on the house and max out the Roth IRA? At the rate I'm going, the house will be paid off in six years, four months. Okay. First and foremost, you don't get a trophy for paying off your house. I wish you did, but you don't. So unless your mortgage rate is at a higher rate than what's normal, you probably want to sock the money into what you can for retirement because you're still relatively young at 48. That money can double for you twice. So that $350 extra a month is what? $350, about 4000 a year. So that money will be $4,000, $16,000 by the time you retire. Each year, you're saving an extra 16000 by not paying off the mortgage. It's the ability to earn income versus the ability to save money on interest. So once you stop working, you won't be able to make Roth IRA contributions, and you will need to live off what you've saved. Your mortgage interest is tax deductible. So chances are you could make more over time in the equity markets than you could by making extra mortgage payments. Never, ever prepay your mortgage early in my opinion. And again, that's not what most people would tell you because most people are stupid, financially speaking. Okay, this email comes to me from Satu. I'm now eligible for a 401k at my new job. They have a safe harbor 401k plan. I have the option of making regular pre-tax or Roth deductions or a combination. Income is over 250000 I'm 40. What would be the best option? Good question. Again, I don't hide from this, but it shows you how tough it is to give financial advice by email. It's dependent on your current marginal tax rate and what you expect your own marginal rate in the future will be. Not only that, but you also would ideally want to know what or how Congress may change tax codes, and they're always changing. The benefit to the 401k is that you get the current year deferral. Good thing. You may be able to withdraw at a lower future tax bracket. Also good. However, the 401k is subject to required minimum withdrawals. The Roth IRA is not subject to required minimum withdrawals, which may say I may say is an attractive feature. I like the approach of having a mix of pre-tax dollars and post-tax dollars during retirement, 
and thus I would recommend a mix. Um, this one comes to me from, you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. This email comes to me, and if you want to call the show and add content today, that'd be great. comes to me from somebody who just gave his name as Man. <laughs> there. I'm tracking our expenses this year to get an idea of where the money goes and how much we spend. At the end of the year, I want to extrapolate any spending that I would not incur when I retire, business expenses. I pay quarterly taxes, and my wife has normal tax withdrawals, two times a month paycheck. Would I not count my quarterly taxes that I pay now in my retirement expenses calculation, assuming I'm not working at all? Um, assuming the business income ceases at retirement, you could omit those tax payments from retirement expenditures. That's for sure. Same goes for the wife. If her income ceases at retirement, her tax payment will become less interesting for the retirement expenditure, the, the list that you're putting together. On top of that, you may want to include a tax expense for whatever retirement income sources you'll be using to pay your various other expenses. You know, I hope your retirement's well-rested, well-traveled, well-loved. Um, I don't have an idea of how much you have but also how much you're going to spend in retirement, you could certainly take that into effect. Um, I do not plan to be at the 15% level in retirement. So let's say I retire with a million dollars. I expect to be about 20% from my 401k income goes away to the federal government. I expect 10% to go to the state of California unless I move. I expect another 10% to go to sales taxes in California unless I move. Thus, my portfolio could be worth 20% more if I move. So that's in my, on my mind. So the million dollars in my scenario is really only $600,000, a lot less. Wouldn't you agree? So I'm doing emails today. You can call the show if you want, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about, as I'm trying to show you with the various emails and uh, correspondences. I've got a couple more coming up on automatic dividend purchases, but... I'll tease that when we come back. I have an event coming up. Typically Palo Alto, Los Gatos, San Mateo. Um, you can always sign up for the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I do a lot of events on retirement, income in retirement, wealth preservation in retirement. Make sure it lasts till the day you die. Do a lot of money 101 for basics on all things financial. You can sign up for either or event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. KDOW traffic. A new accident in Dublin in this uh, traffic report brought to you by Fast Acting Advil. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Doing kind of a different type of show today. I'm going through emails. And what you're probably starting to see from a couple of these emails is that no one size fits all. And it doesn't mean I'm being, like, slack. I'm just telling you that giving advice on retirement issues, it differs 
greatly from person to person, from you know how much budget you have to your goals to how you want to spend to how much did you save. I might tell someone to take a you know six percent draw if they're massively unhealthy and it doesn't look good and they've got a lot of money. Like I don't want you to draw down more than four percent ever unless it's a really special circumstance. I think you need to have your money growing for you. And 4% is about going to keep up with inflation if you keep a large chunk of your money in some sort of growth or growth-like scenario. Got an email from Mac. My dividends automatically purchase shares. Shares are liquidated monthly for my draw. Would it be better just to deposit dividends to use for the monthly draw? Fascinating. Um, yes. Okay, so here's the scenario. Let's say he's got shares of Apple. And his Apple yields 2.2% per year. So he's getting $100. If he has $100 in stock, he gets $2.20 a year, right? That's just an imaginary scenario that you can't live off that, for I know. And in this case, he gets probably $0.55 cents every 90 days. 55 plus 55, buck 10, buck 10 plus another 55, buck 65, plus another 55, $2.20. So that's that 2.2% yield. And I would recommend that you turn off the dividend purchases, since you're drawing from the stock dividends anyway. Have the dividend paid cash and draw from that first. If you need additional funds, and you could sell the appropriate shares. This method is also just makes your life a lot easier to keep track of your cost basis. Okay. So I got an email from Tom. I'd like to set up a Roth IRA, but struggling with what mutual funds go to go with. That's a big problem most people have say like Vanguard or Fidelity or TIA. I am 50 and I contribute the max per year at this time. Any suggestions? And also I have a 457 from a previous employer that I could roll over. It's got about 16,000 in it. Am I able to roll that whole amount over and still contribute maximum amount in one year? Okay, I'll read that one one more time just so everyone can kind of follow along. I'd like to set up a Roth IRA, but struggling with what mutual funds to go with. Vanguard or Fidelity, both great choices. I'm 50, can contribute the max per year at this time, so that's great. Any suggestions? And also, I have a 457 from a previous employer that I could roll over. It's got about 16,000. Am I able to roll that whole amount over and still contribute the maximum? Okay, that's the easy one. Yeah, anything that you've contributed to previous years, you could absolutely roll it over, and it doesn't affect how much you could put in this year. You could typically set up a Roth IRA. In this case, he wants to set up a Roth, but he's confused about what funds to go with. Uh, I would recommend mutual funds at a low cost. I don't recommend individual stocks for most people. Vanguard will be an excellent choice, as is Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, as they're all known for their low cost, as well as range of vehicles uh, choices. I recommend index funds to capture market exposure inexpensively. Um, since Roth IRAs grow tax-free, I like to hold the more aggressive part of the portfolio in the Roth, Doing so should keep the tax-free part of your portfolio to let it expand. To keep the aggressive, the account aggressive yet diversified, you could also use an all-in-one fund from Fidelity. Um, Fidelity's got asset managers. If you search, if you go Google Fidelity Asset Manager, Vanguard's got a life strategy or build-your-own uh, fund. Um, a life strategy fund is based on your age. And it's, you know, you can go growthy or not. I like growth if you've got more than five years. 
typically say. So a rollover does not count for the contribution. That's the last question I've already answered, but I'll answer it again. If you roll four tax dollars from a 457 to a Roth, you will owe income tax on it. So if you're planning on doing a rollover, you could you know, roll to a traditional IRA instead to continue deferring the tax on the 457. So don't roll a 457 into a Roth unless you realize there's a tax scenario there. Now, how do you pick mutual funds? Low-cost mutual funds. Um, I can throw out th- five great, and again, in the argument of setting up a portfolio, one of the things I probably missed a little bit was that you probably want to also consider TD Ameritrade and an ETF, low-cost ETF strategy. Whatever works for you. Um, a lot of these trades can be done for free. So the S&P 500 stock index, uh, I think, is a great large-cap stock fund. Um, it's averaged... Um, in the last, you know, 20 years, 9.5%. There's a Vanguard dividend growth, which has averaged 8.1% in the last 20 years. Mayors and power growth, 13.05. Dodge and Cox stock fund, I see that in a lot of uh, mutual funds and 401ks. I see that in a lot of 401ks, not mutual funds. It is a mutual fund. Dodge and Cox stock is DODGX. So that's the large cap. I just named five that have averaged between 8 and 14% in the last 20 years. Um, some years, I mean, some years you see like 22%, 33%, like holy shnikes, right? It's too much. And all this data is through 2014 and not necessarily through um, today, uh, through May of 2014. So small and mid-sized company stocks. I think you want some large. I think you want some small. I think you want some mid. I think you want some international. I, I have no problem with commodity funds or specialized funds. Um, bond funds, you know, they work over time, but short term, they just feel like the wrong things to be getting into on the short term side of it. Like there's a fidelity to new markets income that's averaged 11.7% over the last 20 years. But over the last year, it's pulled in 5%. That's still a pretty darn good number for bond funds. Fidelity new markets is FNMIX. As far as small and mid-sized company stocks, which I was, you know, we already started large, so let's go small and mid. T. Rowe Price has got a great small cap value fund. It's cost fractions, less than 1%. You can go even less with an index fund or an exchange-traded fund, which you know goes after a small cap value. Um, and to give you an idea, the T. Rowe Price small cap fund charges 80 basis points per $100. That equals 80 cents. That's nothing. Uh, you know, for the right to buy. Now, you could also go with like Vanguard Selected Value, and that charges half of that. So it's 40 cents per hundred. And they've got the same returns. And the difference in returns is actually the cost. So the Vanguard Selected Value is 10.69% versus the T-Row Price Small Cap Value, 10.1%. Um, do you see why I, I like the index fund? It's the only difference in the performance is the cost. And actually, when you eliminate any sort of manager... I think that's a good thing because then you're just indexing and you're not trying to do something you shouldn't do. Okay, so you got some small and mid-sized companies ideas now. Um, a good mid-cap one that I like that's actively managed is Parnassus Mid-Cap, P-A-R-M-X. It's averaged 19.5% returns over the last five years. It has not been around 10 and 20 years. So going with international, uh, this is one that I see in everyone's 401k, the Dodge and Cox International Stock. 
expense ratio is small. It's averaged over the last 10 years, 9%. Over the last five years, 14%. Over the last three years, 9%. Or the last year, 23%. So it's going to be volatile. But over time, it smooths that volatility out. And it's pretty low cost. Um, and that's international stocks. Commodity funds, there's a good merger fund as far as a go-anywhere fund, um, specialized fund. So that's, you know, if you want to go after mergers or if you want to go after emerging markets, the MSCI Emerging Markets Index, you can find an exchange-traded fund tied towards that or an index fund tied towards it. Um, emerging markets that average 12% over the last 10 years, you can start seeing how that beats, you know, the S P 500. The S P 500 over the last 10 years, 9.5%. So emerging markets have beat by three smoking percentage points. That's a lot. I hope you're seeing this. I hope I'm not losing you, because I know I'm being a bit nerdy today. Um, uh, one more thing. Uh, the Crescent Fund is a good commodity-type fund, um, and that's averaged 8.8% each year for the last 10 years. Some years are much bigger than others, so... I've given you some ideas on how to put together, and you can start with one of each and do five. So 20% large cap, 20% small cap, 20% mid cap, 20% international, and then maybe 10% you know, specialized and maybe 10% bonds. And then as you're older, I'm like, oh, I want more bonds. As you're younger, you're like, oh, I want more small cap, mid cap. Um, as you're younger, you're like, I'll take a little more international. I know it's volatile. I see that in the numbers. You know, when... One year you're up 3%, and the following year you're up 13%. It's more volatile, and you have to like be good with that and not always want to micromanage your portfolio. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I still have time to get some emails in. If you want to drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Don't be shy. I promise I don't bite. Um, wildly looking forward to chatting with you. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Hopefully you're relaxing. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Call the show, 800-516-1220. Got a big event coming up. You can learn more about my seminars at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. and the Ad Council. 966, a gain there of... Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm doing some emails today that I get, and sometimes I work them into the show and sometimes I don't. For television, I usually don't because they're just too big and too specific. But with radio, you can kind of play with it a little bit and try to educate everyone at the same time. So here's a hypothetical email. Let's say I retire. Well, it's a real email, but it's a hypothetical situation. Say I retire at 68. My goal is to be healthy. It would be to file and suspend Social Security and wait to draw at age 70. But you get more money that way. If I had $2 million in 401k accounts and 500,000 Roth IRA accounts, which should I draw down first while waiting the age of 70 to take Social Security? So this person is, we don't know the age. Um, but let's assume... If I retire at 68, suspend Social Security, is, we're talking about a couple of years. If the given is that I am in good growth, stock mutual funds on both accounts. 
I tend to answer this as this is a tax question. What's the best way to keep the taxes low? I'd attack the 401k first up to a certain tax bracket. This will help you reduce future required minimum distribution requirements. Um, and again, it is a very hypothetical situation, and those aren't always the best. Another email comes to me from Carlos. He says, have student loan of debt, 40K. Should I save for retirement or pay off debt? 43 years old. Ho, ho, ho. Student loan debt of 40K at 43? Um, okay, that's a, I don't know. Maybe he's not a student. Maybe his kid was a student. 43-year-old's current assets, $11,000 in savings, $30,000 in a Roth, $100,000 equity in a home. I never count the home until you retire, period. I never count Social Security. $11,000 in savings is pathetic for 43 years old. Now, again, I'm not trying to insult my audience. I'm just saying, Carlos, you are way behind. And you need to figure stuff out quickly. Again, trying not to be rude. At the same time, trying to wake you up as best as I can. Um, $43,000 in debt, you know, basically twice as much as everything else you have. Quadruple. The only thing you have that's worth any value is your home, and what are you going to do? Where are you going to live? That's going to be a big issue for you, I think. I think it's going to be something that you have to deal with. Federal student loans can provide payment relief, depending on your specific loans and situation. That may be worth exploring. A couple other angles on this. Save or pay off debt is a big question. Saving for long-term goals is something that I, I try to get younger people doing. And I've got a friend who's got, she's 30, and she dropped me an email, and she said, which one should I do? Um, I have car problems. I'm like, emergency fund. You know, don't raid your retirement, and don't take out a loan. Emergency fund. This is an emergency for a 30-year-old. Hopefully, she doesn't have another one, because her next option is going to be raiding the stock fund before she can you know, start ramping that back up in savings. But putting off saving for retirement until you're debt-free could cost you the most valuable asset that you have at 43, which is still time. You still have 20 years to let that money double two or three times, especially if your company matches contributions. Saving for college isn't as pressing as saving for retirement or paying off credit cards. But again, you already have that debt, so I would say try to get it. I'd check with the federal government to see if you can you know, figure out a way. Obama's, you know, trying to figure out a way so they make sure that, you know, student debt never accounts for more than 10% of your monthly income. You'll pay it off a little over a long time. Maybe you can get it refinanced to free up more money for savings, pour over your expenses, find ways to cut. Um, I know that's not the answer you want to hear, but it's the answer you're going to get because I have no other way of of putting that um, to say that this is how important it is to you. Let's keep moving. Um, next email. And if I run out of time, you can always email me in the future. Um, I need to take my first required minimum distribution from my IRA this year. My husband started taking his several years ago. Can we add up our totals and then take a single required minimum distribution from one account? Unfortunately, you can't. You cannot aggregate your IRA requirement minimum distributions between you and your husband. If you yourself have four IRAs and you can aggregate the total, then you can aggregate the total RMDs amongst those four and take the withdrawal from one IRA, yes, but you can't do it the other way around with your husband. 
This email comes to me from Mr. Hart. If I do a Roth conversion this year, I'm 65 years old. Can I withdraw 100% of the amount I converted next year without any type of penalty? Secondly, am I correct that any earnings from the account must be held in the account for five years before I withdraw them? Yes, you can withdraw the converted Roth next year. You'll owe tax and penalty on the earnings between now and then. Each conversion has its own five-year wait period. Um, so Roth IRA conversions are made on an after-tax basis, and they grow tax-deferred. Withdrawals from a Roth are tax-free and penalty-free, which is worthy of note. Um, if you meet the five-year holding period from when the Roth was opened and are at least 59 and a half, some exceptions do apply, you can take out your contributions tax-free and penalty-free at any time. With a Roth conversion, taxpayers are subject to taxation, but not to the 10% early withdrawal pen, uh, penalty, even if under 59 and a half. So a separate five-year rule applies, however, to each conversion amount. Once that five-year period has expired, you can withdraw the conversion amount, which had been incurable in income without penalty, regardless of age. There's an IRS publication 590. That's a good resource on this. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. I always have events coming up. You can find out more about those at robblack.com. We'll take a break here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.